TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Welcome in, Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday, December 13th edition of the program here, 94.3 The Game. Mid-December means the transfer portal rolls on. The recruiting visits roll on as well. East Carolina getting set for a big recruiting weekend. As coaches are still on the road, we've got the latest on hoistthecolors.net. And VIP, we are running a 50% off special online on recruiting targets, portal targets, all that sort of stuff. We'll discuss much of that on the air today as well. Bobby Harward is in studio, usual Wednesday guest. Bobby, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, excited to get some news, hopefully some positive news after this weekend. Um, also excited that college football will be back on Saturday. It took a little hiatus. That for, is true. Well, I guess we had the Army-Navy game last weekend, but outside of that, a more uh, heavy bulk of games, I guess you could say. Yeah, we'll have to look at the bowl schedule because, I'll be honest, I have not looked a single second at it. But I do know there are, what, like three, three or four games. Yeah, I think that, yeah, there's a handful of them. So I don't think any marquee matchups, but maybe I can't remember off the top of my head, maybe some intriguing ones. Uh, Boise State and UCLA are the – I mean, I know it's not marquee, but for compared to the other games – I mean, Chip Kelly and Boise State always puts on a decent showing, I feel like, against Pac-12 teams. Other than that, it's it's bad. It's like Georgia Southern and Ohio yeah. games, kind of like that. I figured it was a lot of Mac versus Sunbelt type yeah, games. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Philip Pokington producing today's show, and so we will we will make some bowl picks, I think, this Friday with Joe Sampson as well. So we'll get into that discussion then and probably later in today's show. I do want to look at the playoff picture, mainly because the Denver Broncos are still within striking distance. Uh, the Washington Redskins slash Commanders, I don't think, are in the mix, but you are wearing the throwback hat. Going with the throwback hat, look. yep. Looking for a, a top five pick. Hopefully you can get in the top three there. I don't know if the Patriots are going to lose. I mean, the the Panthers have all but secured number one. So nobody's jumping. Well, the Bears. Yeah. They've secured giving it to the Bears. Right. <laughs> but number two is, is probably going to the Patriots, so maybe you could slide into three. Um I guess from that point, it just determines, do the Bears trade out of that pick again, or are they sticking with Justin Fields or taking a quarterback? Kind of what do they do in terms of options for the Redskins? I did hear Jaden Daniels listening to a podcast on the way over here. They're talking about him maybe being a top-five pick now, so we'll see. That's, yeah, if you're if you're not in the playoff mix this time of year, you get the uh, you start to get the quarterback news going. Yeah, uh, to figure out what uh, what what guys could fall or go early in the draft. So we'll get into the NFL a little bit, Bobby. We've been waiting for some type of quarterback news, and uh, you know I've gotten the question every day: What quarterback is East Carolina targeting in the transfer portal? Uh, what quarterback are the Pirates going to get the visit? What quarterback is going to commit? Well, we finally got a name yesterday. Tuesday morning, I was alerted that Caden Hauser, I believe is how you pronounce it, Michigan State transfer quarterback, one of three transfers, uh, quarterbacks in the portal from Michigan State, is scheduled to visit ECU this coming week, uh, in the coming days. Now, I was told that basically at that time, it, it was a, a deal where the new offensive coordinator, John David Baker, 
has flown all across the country meeting with these guys. I mean, you're talking California, Texas, the Carolinas, the Midwest. He's been out to Kansas. He's been out to Michigan uh, to meet with Hauser and basically talking to these guys, building a relationship. But then there's a pecking order trying to see how it falls. You know, I've heard Oregon State in the mix for Hauser. Just read this morning that the Oregon transfer, Ty Thompson, is supposed to go to Oregon State. So it makes sense now Hauser can look elsewhere, including ECU. So when you heard that news, what was your take on uh, Hauser potentially visiting ECU, maybe being the guy the Pirates are targeting as QB1? Yeah, first thing was seeing he's from California. So honestly, I had a little bit of concern of, all right, is he going to want to come all the way to the East Coast? Um Saying that he had interest in going to Oregon State makes a lot of sense, being closer to his native home in California. Uh, but, yeah, if Ty Thompson's going there, there's not a chance, that it, especially if he wants to play. Um, having three years of eligibility does excite me. He, he does seem like he has some dual-threat capabilities, which will also fit in really well with um, what JDB wants to do. He's not – just a like Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick type, but right. he he can still move, can move around. A bit. Yeah, exactly. So and it allows you to have implement some of that quarterback run game that I'm sure he's going to want to implement, uh, especially you know some of the read read option stuff and and quarterback counter and those sort of things. Yeah, and you know I, I did watch a little bit of film again, more highlights than like true film where you're seeing the negative plays too. But the thing that that stood out to me. A, he's used to throwing behind a pretty porous offensive line. Michigan State was pretty bad up front this year, which I think is a good thing because I don't think you're going to have that perfect offensive line at ECU. You know, hopefully they are improving. Hopefully they add some pieces, but that's a positive. Uh, he's used to throwing under pressure. He made some throws off platform under pressure, which ECU could not do this year. It felt like anytime Mason Garcia or Alex Lynn had to throw off platform, they were not able to complete many balls. Uh, so that I thought was a positive. Again, could scramble a little bit, not really a true runner, but a guy who can extend plays, a uh, quick release. So there are a lot of things that would seem to fit what John David Baker wants, uh, Bobby. So, you know, you got the dead period starts Sunday. You got signing day for the high school JUCO ranks beginning next Wednesday. We're a week out from that. We got a report on the 2024 class up on HTC right now for our subscribers. But in an ideal world, It'd be pretty nice to get somebody like Hauser on on board by the end of this week to kind of give you an idea going into this dead period, right? I think you have to lock him up, or at least you know do everything in your power to. Because, I mean, if you if you don't lock him up here, it goes into the dead period. Now, granted, they can still communicate, you know, via phone call and you know direct messaging and all that kind of stuff. Uh, how they communicate nowadays, but. Really, you know, if he goes elsewhere, I, I don't like our chances as much right. um, because that means maybe he wasn't fully sold on on ECU and wants to continue to explore. And it really puts you in a bind come that January window because it's a short time frame. It's five days. To get somebody here, to get them to commit, sign whatever they do as the transfer portal, and then enrolled in the class to start because we've talked about it before. You have to have – Really, two guys to get in for the spring. Yeah, I mean, you better damn sure get one. Yeah. Uh, so it just really puts you in a bind. And, again, you just sort of move lower and lower down that pecking order so you don't necessarily know if you are going to be in love with the guy you bring in and are you just bringing in someone just to get a number in the spring. It, it just causes a mess. So, um, yeah, you, you better lock them up this weekend, in my opinion. So if you don't – basically, if you don't get a guy now – before this weekend, it goes dead for transfers and for regular recruits until January 2nd through the 7th. Now, that window, 
is a five-day window where all transfer portal prospects can visit. The semester for ECU starts on January 8th. Now, you can get guys in probably towards the end of that week. Like Jalen Johnson a few years ago, he played the national title game for Georgia and then visited the next day and then got in like almost two weeks into the semester. But still, you're scrambling at that point. You don't want to be scrambling. So ideally, if you could get, whether it's Hauser, whether it's QB option, BC, whatever, committed, paperwork done, and then you know they're coming, then you can start working on maybe the second guy in that January period or late late December, and there's less pressure. So I, I do think this is a crucial period. I have heard uh, from my sources that his parents are flying in from California for the visit, so that tells me this is a very serious visit. Like he's not just taking it just to see see what you know see what ECU is. I think he's seriously considering coming here. And I think JDB is going to be able to sell him a lot in the sense of hey, look at what we did with Dart at Ole Miss, and look what we did with Matt Corral before that. You kind of, I mean, honestly, his body type and everything, and, and I haven't necessarily watched a ton of film on him, but he reminds me a lot. Maybe that Matt Corral type has a pretty quick, a quick release, strong arm on him. That was the thing of Corral coming out of, out of Ole Miss was his quick release. Um, I know Chris Sims, quarterback guru was really high on that. Um, so being able to sell that piece to him and then obviously, Show him the quarterback room. Who who else is in there right now? You got Raheem Jeter. Alex Flynn is still up in the air. The guy that people thought Mason Garcia was going to be the guy is not here. So there's just not much to compete with. Um, and worst case scenario for him, it's, hey, you're coming in and you're competing with another transfer portal guy. Regardless, there's no locked in number one. There's no real true starter that that's coming back that's had experience. So it, it's your room to lose. And the other piece of this we don't really know is the NIL piece. Like, is from what I've heard, it looks like he's got like an NIL representative or agent, which I, I still don't even know that. I guess you can't have a technical agent, but you can have like an NIL marketing person. So that my <laughs> understanding, so weird. <laughs> he's got one of those. So like, what role? Because like, if you look on Twitter, this guy basically is tweeting, you know, uh, Hauser highlights to every every tweet <laughs> about uh, Caden Hauser, which is you know, look, if he's his representative, he's doing his job. I yeah. get it. So what is that piece? Is ECU going to have to negotiate with this guy, or the the t- this team Boneyard have to negotiate with this guy on how much you know to potentially, you know, try to, to to pay a quarterback to come here? So you just got so many moving parts. But I do think the fact he's talking to all these schools and he's making the visit gives me some hope that maybe if you're the Pirates, you can lock this thing down. Um, so we'll see. There, there's a, just a lot at play there. Just saw that Grayson McCall has committed to NC State, the Coastal Carolina transfer. So uh, you're starting to see some more dominoes fall. And, again, he was down to UCF and NC State. So now where does UCF go? Uh, Chandler Rogers from North Texas, he's going to Cal. You've got guys like a Bo Allen from Georgia Southern. He's going to Kentucky most likely as a backup. Taylor Green from Boise State, he committed to Arkansas. He was the guy that East Carolina had reached out to. Uh, Brock Vandegrift, the Georgia backup, he's also going to Kentucky. So you're starting to see some of these dominoes fall, Bobby. Uh, Max Brown from Florida going to Charlotte. You know, he was the backup quarterback for the Gators. Charlotte's been killing it in the portal. So, I don't know, do, do any of these other moves intrigue you yet? And I think we'll continue to see more news uh, to kind of trickle out throughout the coming days. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of shocked how slow – uh, it is taking some of these quarterbacks. You know, I, I figured most of them probably had an idea of what where they're going to go. Uh, one that kind of just from a local standpoint, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by MJ Morris. I was confused when he entered the portal because I don't think he has good enough tape to go up a level. Um, but 
I mean, honestly, I don't know if I would love MJ Morris here, uh, based upon what I know. Uh, I'm surprised some of those South Carolina guys that have transferred. I believe they're, they're pretty highly recruited. I haven't heard much noise of them. They're, they're at least decent recruits coming out. So really just kind of, it seems like there's that, that top tier of guys that are just getting picked off right now and slowly starting to decide. And then it's just a mosh pit underneath of just right. everybody else. And, uh, you know, if you can say you can get a guy with seven starts from the Big Ten, like uh, Hauser as a redshirt freshman, I think that's valuable experience. We talked about it too, Bobby. Like, ideally, you would get an older guy who's kind of proven and then a younger guy with multiple years left. Maybe with Hauser, you get the best of both worlds, which yeah. would be an ideal case. I still think you got to add at least one more, though, because even if he commits, you know, which is clearly the best case scenario of him visiting, um, you know, you, then you still only have Raheem Jeter and Cole Hodge. Alex Flynn at this point still in the roster. We'll see what happens there, but you still got to add somebody else, right? Yeah, you have to. And those Vanderbilt guys, I know you had an article up this morning, a ten or a ten guys to watch from the transfer portal. Is he? He's a more of an upperclassman, correct? Yeah, Ken, Kenny Seals. Yeah, he's more of a. I think he's going into his junior year. He's got two years left, but so, he's played a lot. He he's one that comes to mind as another guy that would you know if we got both of those, I, I don't think that would necessarily happen, but that would be the the perfect scenario in my mind because you have two guys that have at least played. Played, um, you know, SEC and Big Ten football. I, I do see it being probably one or the other with them, and then maybe it, if Seals comes in, being that he's an upperclassman, I feel a little bit more comfortable taking kind of your inexperienced, highly recruited quarterback. Right, kind of like a guy like Florida just took, right. or uh, that Charlotte took from Florida. Hasn't started a game, big recruit but has very little experience. So you really still don't know what you're getting. Right, exactly. And and with Hauser, I don't know. Here's the thing with him, too. He played some really good defense. Yeah, they played Penn State, Michigan. I mean, Ohio State, Ohio State. I think he started yeah. again. Yeah, I mean, so, like, his numbers may look not be eye-popping in terms of, like, touchdown-interception ratio and that sort of thing. Michigan so, State was a mess this yeah. year. What if he was playing Tulsa? What exactly. if he was playing Charlotte? What if he was playing... Even SMU, like I feel like those numbers will be a lot better. Yeah, yeah, and here's that's the thing with Hauser. I, I am very intrigued by him. I just don't know who you who's that second guy. What does it look right. like? Because you got to think you'd want to bring in again a veteran guy. I just don't know who's necessarily out there right now that would fit. Okay, I, I'm a veteran guy that obviously is in the portal to play. If they're bringing Hauser in, there's a good chance Hauser maybe we'll be the guy. right. And do I want to sit again? At ECU. Right. And then at that point, do you go to the JUCO ranks for a guy maybe looking to prove himself? You know, they've offered Ty Keyes, former Southern Miss quarterback, but, you know, he's got to make a decision soon. The other top JUCO quarterback just committed, uh, I can't remember where, to another group of five school yesterday. So, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to monitor the situation, but I think you start with Hauser, you see how these next few days go, and then, you know, see how the dominoes fall from there. All right, we got a number of questions rolling in on YouTube. We will start to get to those after this break. So we will take a quick timeout first. We'll come back and then we'll get into many of these questions. We're gonna, we got questions about the portal. We got questions from Michael Jones about John Gilbert's comments the other day, of course. Uh, so we'll get into that as well. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. Yeah! Yeah! 
Yes, that was so good. 194.3, the game. All right, welcome back in. Hoist the colors on a Wednesday. Bobby Harward's in studio. Philip Pilkington producing. We got several comments on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, we're brought to you today by Sup Dogs. You guys know the deal. Check them out. Downtown Greenville. Barstool Best Bar. Multiple time winner. They dominated the competition so much that Barstool had to change the competition so Sup Dogs could quit winning it. So check them out. Downtown Greenville. They bring you Bobby Harwood today. And uh, we'll be back with the Sup Show. Uh, live or Sup Dogs Live. I think sometime in early February on the ECU Sports Network, so stay tuned for that as well. Okay, let's get into some of these questions. All the, I guess YouTube is the place to drop the questions because we got like 20, and then Facebook, we just have people watching, Bobby. So the Facebook crowd today, tame. Dude, YouTube is popping. I can honestly, it's been eight years now since I have been on Facebook. So <laughs> eight I <didn't>, years? <laughs> yeah. Are you, is your account still active or is it deactivated? No, it's, it's deactive. Occasionally my father, I'm a junior, so my dad will event, like send some names of, hey, I think these people are trying to friend request you. But I'm, yeah, I just got off of Facebook. It was not the place for me. Uh, Samurai Chat says, here we go. And he says, told you guys Dallas by 17 as he wants to talk some NFL. We'll talk NFL a little bit towards the end of the show. But yeah, man, I didn't see Dallas routing Philly like that. And um I'll be I'll be honest. Yeah. The Dallas is probably my favorite team to watch in the NFL. They're really good. They're fun. They're fun to watch. They're fun offense. I love C D Lamb. I'm a big C D Lamb fan. I know I'm saying that with the Redskins hat on and I probably shouldn't be, but you know, Dallas is they're just fun to watch. And the sad thing for Dallas is they could win out and if the Eagles went out, they're still gonna be on the road in a playoff game on opening weekend because the Eagles have the tiebreaker. Wow. So, and the Eagles play a really flat, easy schedule, whereas Dallas has, I think they have got Buffalo this weekend. So we will, uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, again, we'll talk NFL a little bit. All right. Michael Jones has a question about the John Gilbert conversation. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Ryan Cole, stay on transfer portal for now because once we go down that path, there's no telling how long that'll take. Ryan Cole says, any word on offensive line targets? That might be close or making a visit. Charlotte seems to have been making some moves the last few days, especially on the offensive line front. Uh, yeah, so Lyndon Cooper is a transfer from NC State. He actually visited this past weekend. We've got an article up on Hoisted Colors, 10 notable ECU targets in the transfer portal we are monitoring. Uh, and the problem with Lyndon is he has since landed an offer from Pittsburgh. He's also got USF and Louisville. So the visit went well. He's more of an interior center guard type guy with some experience. Played 300 plus snaps last year. He is, uh, so he visited. Things went well, but he's going to probably take some more visits. And then also in that article, I included main offensive tackle transfer Darius Bell. He is a, uh, starting left tackle for Maine. You know, played pretty well last year at the FCS ranks. Now he's making the jump to FES. Has FAU and I think another school. Uh, in the group of five, likely going to visit sometime this week. So, Bobby, when you look at the offensive line, it's interesting that, first of all, new offensive line coach Matt Maddox coming in, who I think has done a very good job in a short order recruiting. But we know that the guys from last year are mainly going to be back, the starters, so now you're trying to add depth competition there. I think we both agree tackles the need. So 
you know, it's good that they're at least recruiting, you know, one tackle from the uh, the FCS ranks. But I, I think you got to bring in two tackles. And if you can bring in a guy like Cooper with some experience on the interior, I think you, you can do that as well. I think you, you have to bring in at least one with the hope of bringing in two, um, preferably a left tackle, because if you at least bring in one and that guy is a left tackle, you can remove Parker Moore back to the right side, which he's more comfortable with. So at the very minimum, you have to bring one. Um, Again, preferably two. I like the names that they have. The the guy from Maine is probably the one that really intrigues me, being that he, you know, has has been pretty solid at the FCS level, and Maine's a, a pretty good program. Um, I would be careful, and it, it, it's hard for me too, not to compare to like Charlotte, where you have these big guys coming in. I feel like we're, I like our process better of the way we go about it because we want to make sure they're a good culture fit. Right. I have a feeling, I don't know this, I'm just speculating, that Biff just more shoot from the hip and sees like... Throwing some money out there, seeing they're at big school. Right. See, big school, highly recruited. I mean, for all we know, these guys, and I'm not, I don't know these guys that they got committed so that I could be completely off. They could be turds. They could come in and just not be a good culture fit and, and not fit really well with the program. So, that's a big part of what we're trying to do here. On top of that, you're behind the eight ball a little bit with the portal guys with the new offensive line coach. I am happy that this new guy coming in, Maddox, right, mm-hmm. has been able to solidify the guys they have committed, especially the two at the JUCO ranks. And then now it's just playing a little bit of catch up with the transfer portal and hopefully getting some guys in. Yeah, if, again, if you could get one this week and then maybe have a little more time to kind of reset and then get another in January. Uh, in that short window, I think you feel much better there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things. And with Charlotte, look, I think they had a guy from Clemson, from A&M, again, from Florida, the quarterback. Uh, they did add a middle Tennessee state receiver that has played a lot. Like I like that move for them because he's more of a proven guy, but some of these other guys transferring down, they haven't really played a whole lot. Um, so you just, again, ECU's been down that path too. Not saying these guys are not going to pan out, but. Scotty Montgomery brought in, what, three transfers from Clemson one year, a guy from Alabama. You know, it doesn't always guarantee success, so we'll see how that uh, pans out. But certainly Biff has some money, and it seems like he's utilizing it based on what they're doing already. And he's finding a way to get around the rules somehow, shape, or form, because technically the head coach is not supposed to be donating to NIL. So whether how he's getting around it i don't know but obviously they're figuring out a way and it'll be intriguing to see how they pan out because they are big names but to your point we i mean darrell scott is another one that comes to mind the running back from havelock like i mean he ended up going down to hampton with uh he barely played there yeah and barely played so i would just be cautious with these high recruited guys that that haven't really played i mean we saw it with Ra Ra Dilworth. Mm-hmm. And granted, he played here and I thought played well, but he he was not like a lights out just because he just because he was a four star recruit from North Carolina, you know, and you know could have gone anywhere in the country. Like Nick Saban wanted him out of high school, but you just never know, man. The recruiting and, and culture fit too matters a lot, so you got to find that balance, and it's tougher than ever. Um, Samurai wants to know: Do we have any interest in Jeff Sims? Micah Bowens, Tanner Bailey, and A.J. Duffy. So these are all – Sims has played a lot. He started at Georgia Tech, went to Nebraska. Now he's back in the portal. He could be an older guy that maybe you could get to come in. That was, it, I just thought of that. Because yeah. at this point, he's got to be pretty desperate for another yeah. shot. Yeah, I agree. And, and it, he's another guy, too, athletically, that I would think would fit pretty well. Um, 
you know, he obviously ran the triple option at Georgia Tech and, and didn't look bad under, um, gosh, I'm going blank on the head coach at Georgia Tech. Uh, it was so the it was, defensive coordinator at Temple. Oh, uh, Jeff Collins. Jeff Collins, yeah. Uh, you know, he ran a more pro style offense there and then, you know, went to Matt Rule and, you know, it didn't quite work out. I think he had some injury stuff, but he is, yeah, he's that veteran guy that I think kind of fits what they're looking for in, in the quarterback position. Knowledgeable soul says Biff doesn't really have a contract as head coach of Charlotte. I don't know what that means. I don't know the language there. Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe he's just volunteering and coaching. Who knows? Um, as far as the other quarterbacks you ask about Samurai, those are more like backups who haven't really played much at all as far as I know. So I, maybe down the line, one of those guys could be a fit, but I've not heard their name yet to this point. John Decker Golf Instruction says, has ECU gotten anyone from the portal yet? No, they have not gotten anyone from the portal yet. There are 22 guys that have, uh, and this is a combination of preferred walk-ons and scholarship, I think around 14 scholarship guys that have already exited via the portal. And so you got 22 guys out, but you also have 20 commits who are expected to sign between high school and JUCO. So now you're trying to make up, you know, maybe more of the difference with the portal going forward. So they're, they're, I've gotten the vibe, Bobby. They're not trying to rush. You could take some guys right now if you're East Carolina, but look, I mean, why not wait until this week, see how the dominoes fall? I mean, the last thing you want to do when you're in the situation East is in is reach for some guys that, and honestly, I felt like last year they reached a little bit in the portal, and I think they're trying to avoid that this year. Yeah, I th- I agree. It's hard to because I'm starting to get a little antsy myself seeing you know some of these guys get locked up, but I am trusting the process they're going through until it, it's proven wrong. And, and what I mean by that is like I'm going to give it all the way through the end of that January period, and if by January eighth. You know, we, we're still lacking a tackle and a quarterback and those sort of things. And then I'll be pretty concerned. Um, I'm also wondering too, you know, that's what's interesting now is how much NIL bickering back and forth is occurring with these guys that they have visiting. Um, you know, that whole recruiting process, when they come here, do they already have the expectation of, Hey, this is kind of what I'm looking for NIL wise. Do you have it? Does ECU already communicate to them before they visit? Hey, this is what we have for you NIL wise. There's some of that too, because that, that just makes the ball game so hairy, um, with these guys coming in. I've gotten just from talking with people basically, and I don't know how much ECU delves into this side of recruiting, given the guys they're talking to, but. There's a certain realm of guys who basically they just say, hey, if you're trying to recruit me, my NIL representative will reach out and you guys can talk. And then if they can match the number, then the recruitment continues basically. So you're saying like with Hauser, they reached out to his representative in a, in, in a, yeah, yeah. In, a in like a, maybe a, a world where I know for sure like some of the top line receivers in the portal, that's how they approach it. Like, hey, do, can you, match my asking number if not then i'm going to focus on these other schools speaking of receivers i know i've seen Ole miss has a few that are in there and yeah. obviously the jdb connection have you heard any noise of them maybe reaching out to those guys or i really haven't to this point now until yesterday i will say even as many sources as i have i wasn't hearing much at all but it felt like yesterday was the first day ECU really got a handle on, all right, here are the guys we have a legit shot at. And now some of those old Miss guys just entered the portal, so it might take some time 
But they're highly recruited. They may be in that same realm too, where they're trying to make some NIL money. And if they're out for the if they're out for the most money, more than likely they're not coming to ECU. Now, if they just want to play, then ECU and make a little bit, ECU is a fit. Yeah, so it just kind of depends. And, and it brings up a good point too, in terms of you know hearing names from ECU and from your sources that that just kind of triggered in my mind and i don't know why i didn't think of it earlier of you know ecu may be trying to keep some of this under the radar from the sense of you know competing nil with these other teams who you're going after you want to keep quiet more than ever i mean gilbert mentioned it on his interview on monday talking about the guy straight up lying about how much money those guys are making nil wise it's the same thing and who you're recruiting like don't necessarily want to give it away and then you know some other team jumps in at the last minute and says hey come visit here we saw it last year. Avery Jones committed to Illinois, and then he said he was packing his bags to go to Illinois when Auburn called and said, hey, do you want to come here for more money? And so he wow. went to Auburn. So, I mean, like, even if guys commit, they got to – the guy from uh, the Connecticut receiver, Keela Marion, committed to East Carolina, moved to Greenville, was about to start class, enrolled everything, and then BYU called him and offered him more money. So he went to BYU. So, like, this stuff is – it's not done. and I understand it's not officially done until they step foot in their first class. That is And that's when they're wild. officially enrolled. So, even if Caden Hauser commits, you never know uh, how the next few days will go. All right, let's get another break in. We'll come back. We'll address some of the questions about John Gilbert in our interview from Monday. We'll do that on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. Here there be pirates. Back to hoist the colors with Steve and I go. How good is this on 94.3 The Game? All right, welcome back in. Wednesday, December 13th. Happy birthday to Sharon Igo, my mother. It's her birthday. We had breakfast this morning. so Happy birthday, Miss Igo. Yeah, got to celebrate that. And uh, always a good day. We celebrated last night as well. So shout out to Miss Igo for raising uh, this pirate as a youngster. So we can do this right here on this Wednesday. Talk ECU and talk about John Gilbert's interview. We avoided it long enough, Bobby. So let's get into it. Michael Jones has questions. And I don't know if we have the answers, but we can try. Uh, so there was, you know, there was a lot of mixed, I would say mixed reaction to a, a variety of things, but A, definitely the comments about the NCAA proposal, which I'll say this. You know, I don't think John Gilbert's the type to sugarcoat it and like give any false realities. And there are some people who said, "Hey, we should we should have heard him say, you know, we're going to try our very best to be at the top of college football, regardless." And I understand both arguments; I really do. And you know, you do want a you know a visionary leader uh, that you know can sell things, but you also got to be realistic too. And I'll be honest; I don't know enough about the financial situation at East Carolina. And versus the SEC, other than I know they make a lot more money than East Carolina off their television contracts. These programs make a lot more money. So I, I don't know what the reality is that ECU could ever put together a package to, to make this cut if the proposal goes through, which my argument is, Bobby, we can talk about it till we're blue in the face. This is still just the initial proposal. We don't know if it's even going to stay under the NCAA. We don't know how much it's going to change. So, like, ECU can start looking into possible avenues, and I, I don't have a problem with that either, but I think this is a long way from being done either way. Yeah, that was my first initial thought is 
30,000 per athlete was the number that was initially thrown mm-hmm. out. We know sure as heck it's not going to stay that way. Um, when, when Gilbert said 40 teams, that was honestly, before he even said that, I think we talked about it the week before. That's kind of where I thought the number would be. Um, cause again, in my opinion, the purpose of this proposal and why it's brought about is to, to start and initiate that shift and that break off. And so that's why I do think that 30,000 number will go up. I do think they're going to find a way to avoid the equal pay for men's and women's athletes. Uh, we talked about that a little bit off air, just the nature of how much football specifically brings in in college basketball. Like you'll be able to pay women's basketball players more than other women's athletic sports. But, you know, just you, you think about it, a school like Ohio State, say they're going to pay $10 million to their male athletes. That means they have to pay $10 million to their female athletes. Like the $30,000 number that's tossed around is a minimum. Like that's, mm-hmm. and you're going to have a lot of schools that go over that. I think you see uh, a upper echelon of the SEC being able to pay for it. Like your, your heavy hitters, we know about LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. You got Michigan, you got Ohio State, maybe Michigan State, you got USC, Washington, Oregon, like some of those schools, but I mean, it's not a ton of them. So to hear the 40 overall number of teams separating, uh, it did not surprise me. Um, and it did not, I was honestly glad he didn't give false hope and kind of just like shut it down then and there. Cause I mean, there's just, to me, looking realistically, there's no way that we can be a part of that. Just knowing what we know now, uh, our financial state, and what we're trying to raise right now for uh, Team Boneyard, and then you're trying to at least, at minimum, increase that six times. Like that, just it's really hard to achieve. Right. It's it's you know it's it's not going to be easy. You got people who say, "Hey, ECU's always." You know, been the little guy, overcome situations to be a part of this stuff, and you know has made the jump to Division One before. But you know, what's the what's the cutoff? You know, is the NCAA going to say, "Hey, you've got to raise 100 percent this much money," and is ECU going to scrounge together every penny to to make that cut and have to do that year after year? And is it just going to kill them? So I, I I don't know. I don't know enough about the situation either way at this time to to really say whether or not ECU would be foolish or, you know, I just want to see more. Like right now it's just a proposal and we don't really know the, the what it'll end up being. We don't know what's going to happen to the American. Like is, and is the whole ACC going to be able to make this leap as it stands now? Is half the ACC going to get left behind? Like there's just so many moving parts for me. Uh, Michael says, so on Hoist the Colors, there are those trying to paint, paint Gilbert's comments about the NCAA proposal as clunky. clunky. Not meaning to say we for sure would opt out. Am I crazy or did he make it very clear we would opt out? He said also, he said, direct quote, one-third of the SEC would opt out based on the current proposal. Do you actually think there is any way based on what was proposed that's true? Again, I don't know enough. What I do know is John Gilbert was at Alabama and Tennessee for a long time. He knows a lot more people in the SEC than we do. John Gilbert is pretty smart. He's got a lot of great connections. I mean, who's to say that, that he would lie about that? I mean, I, I just don't see – I'm sure he's got pretty good information there. So, again, there may be schools behind the scenes or in publicly saying, hey, we're going to do this or we're going to make this leap. When in reality, it's going to be tough to, to maybe scrounge up that money. So, there's a – to me, there's a lot of moving parts here. And 
I would tend to trust John Gilbert. I mean, it's not like he's just been sitting on his couch for the past 50 years. He's been in college <laughs> athletics for quite some time. Yeah, he, he's pretty uh, pretty well-connected in that realm. And, you know, I go back to, too, before this proposal was even dropped, um, like the week before on that, you know, Monday night show, he had mentioned something else is coming down the line. And then, sure enough, like this proposal dropped. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's well connected enough to kind of say, Hey, something's coming. And it did, um, you know, one third of the sec. I mean, if you want to ask about that specifically, uh, that's not surprising. I mean, I don't see how Vanderbilt, you, you just look at some of those teams, Mississippi state, you know, some of those without that massive donor, I don't know how they stay in. I mean, that's a lot that you're asking to commit. Um, and again, I think what happens is, you know, what we see on CBS with the SEC and what we see, you know, some of these big nightly games, like those are your teams that are, are mainly playing in those primetime slots, and those are those teams that are mainly going to be the ones that break away. Like it's like you have that upper echelon of like 20 teams, 30 teams that everybody focuses on nationally, and then you have everyone else. And obviously here, uh, us in Greenville and Pirate Country, like, you know, I'm more in tune with what ECU is doing, but the general fan and the general one that just turns turns on their television on Saturday night may not know who ECU is. I mean, that's just reality. They may not know who Mississippi State is. I mean, it, it's just they know those big-time teams and those big programs, and that's where all the television money is. That's where the eyes and the viewership and advertisement money is. But, you know, everyone else is just kind of like – to me, just enjoy it. What enjoy, we had, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, enjoy it. Does it suck that we may be left out? Yeah, sure it does. But you know, that's not going to stop me from watching ECU play and, and participate in football. So. Uh, Michael says opting out of that TV deal, sixty million a year, is what you're talking about. Uh, let's see. I don't know what he's referencing. I've seen a lot of talk too that ECU, if they make the first of all, I don't think they're going to make the choice to. To opt out, like if there's a way to get in to this deal, like they'll try and get in, but it's got to be feasible. They're not just going to take less money and go down to a, a smaller division of college football just because they don't feel like they can make it. If they could make the leap, they would make it, Bobby. That's my, my <laughs> yeah. thing too. Is like John Gilbert's not just saying, "Oh, well, let's go down to FCS because you know we can't compete at this level." Like if there was a feasible pathway, and maybe with proposal changes and with re- remodeling some funding, you can maybe find a way, but. Again, there's time. Uh, there's nothing happening imminently, uh, and I do think this is something the whole you know the chancellor's got to look at, board of trustees, John Gilbert. This is not just John Gilbert by himself, but you know there's still a lot to work out here. Is my point? Yeah, and if you want to be comparative to other teams that are kind of similar to us, Liberty may be the only one that could potentially make the jump based upon all the donations and money. Tons they have. of money. Yeah, so I don't see us going down to FCS. Um, the only way I see us in FCS if the FBS name changes to FCS. Right, yeah. Like, that's not happening. So I, I don't see that being the case. The, the one thing I do kind of want to steer away from the the financial aspect of it that I found intriguing, too, was the fact that the, the waiver process. Because I know we've been dealing with that with Cam Hayes here at ECU and, and ECU basketball. For him to say, I had always been under the impression they just need to shut it off after – one way, one transfer, there's no waivers after that. You get your one free transfer, there's no waiver. If you do a second transfer, you're sitting out a year unless you're a graduate. Like, that's the rule. But for him to say, 
hey, we're opening it up, or he thinks it will be open up in full reign, dude, that's just going to cause complete and utter chaos. Like, I don't know that if point, that's... You, you don't know what your roster is y- yeah. at all from year to year. Uh, that's just going to be a mess, in my opinion. That That is probably what concerns me more than this split, because, I mean, there... I guess I've always expected there to be a split. I don't know how much it will drastically change because uh, then you get in the whole yeah, – I mean, does football just become separate at this point? There's so much unknown that we can just speculate and go on and on and right. on about. Like you could probably get a full week of content on oh, your 100%. show. <laughs> I mean, you could fill in a three-hour slot with all of this. But, yeah, the the transfer thing is what kind of caught my eye probably more than anything here in his interview on Monday. Uh, Michael says Gilbert mentioned his in-game theory of 30 to 40 in the top division. He says the NCAA president himself said he expects 100 or so to opt into his proposal. So what was Gilbert talking about? I've not heard or seen the NCAA president saying that. Yeah, as the as it's written right now, if you could give the base minimum, look, if you're ECU reality here, you could cut two more sports. Probably had to be men's sports to get for Title IX reason. Uh, to get to the minimum of 16 required to play FBS football. You'd have to cut more sports. You'd have to get more money from the university side, uh, which is already helping out offset the deficit ECU operates at, uh, to pay this extra $6 million, I think is what the minimum would be, basically, to pay 30,000 athletes, uh, you know, men's and women's equally, the minimum. So you'd have to go through all that just to be able to make it, and then you're going to have schools – like Notre Dame, USC, et cetera, spending a lot more than $30,000 per athlete. So it's almost like you're in the same situation, even though you can say, hey, we're in this scenario. And my thing is, too, by the time this all goes final, I think it's going to look a lot different. And I think it's going to be more geared towards how this allows the SEC and the Big Ten the chance to break away, which is what I think this is all about. Yeah, that number is going to continue to increase until they get around the number they want and the teams that they want. Yeah, If we do find a way, (laughs) I mean, we'd be scrapping and clawing to get into that subdivision, and honestly – like I could see us being like the UMass of that subdivision if that you know occurs because we'd be struggling so much financially just to you know maintain the minimum and not yet alone be able to increase and to Michael's comment about the the NCAA president like I don't believe a word that dude says like I think they've proven time and time again like what they say and what the actual truth is is just nowhere near uh, I mean I think he's trying. When he throws out that 100 FBS team number, college number, or whatever, like he's he's trying to not have utter panic. He's trying to paint that picture that everybody can do this. Right. In reality, this is being done to keep these main schools from breaking away. This is why this proposal was sent forth. Right. Because otherwise, they're going to do it. Yeah. Themselves. Yep. All right. Let's get a break in. We'll come back. We're going to talk NFL playoff picture because uh, we're going to talk about this all. Year. Now we get to talk about the Denver Broncos. We get to talk about the Denver Broncos uh, and more. So let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show with that. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back in. A lot of good discussion today. A lot of serious ECU discussion. Appreciate everybody tuning in and the questions. Let's talk some NFL because I want to at least have a little bit of fun. Not sweat as much, although talking about the playoff picture makes me sweat a little bit as a Denver Broncos fan. Uh, guys, 
this is insane. There are six, seven, and six teams in the AFC, basically tied for the last two playoff spots. There are six, six and seven teams on the NFC side. Now, one of those occupies the fourth spot because the NFC South is garbage. Tampa Bay Buccaneers would host the Eagles if the season ended today. But if the Eagles went out, they will get the tiebreaker over the Cowboys to do a divisional record. So, um, first off, let's get y'all's NFC South analysis. Who is going to win this crap division? Is it going to be the Bucks or the Saints or the Falcons? They're all six and seven. What do y'all think? Philip? I'd have to look at everybody's schedule down the stretch. I think, I still think Tampa's the most complete team in the division. They haven't like played like it, but you look at their defense, Offensive line, I think they're still the most complete team. They've won it the last two years. Uh, but I know they still have to play the Jaguars, I think. And I think they've got somebody else still kind of tough. So I'm not 100% sure not having everybody's schedule in front of me. But yeah, This I week know. I know they play the Packers. The Panthers play the Falcons. and The, <laughs> the Falcons are going to the nod to the Falcons then. <laughs> the, the, Saints, Falcons. the Saints play the Giants. Yeah. I was going to say Arthur Smith and the Falcons. I, I and they don't, which is crazy because their quarterback situation sucks. But I'm not a believer in the Saints. I, I just I don't think Derek Carr has been very good, which kind of surprised me. I thought he'd be better than he he is right now in, in New Orleans. But I'm a to be different, and I actually truly believe I think the Falcons will be be the NFC South representative. So this is a good thing for the NFL and the fan bases of these teams. But is this a good thing for the product of the NFL? Because like there are a lot of Honestly, bad football teams. Like, what's weird is I feel better about the teams in the AFC out of the playoffs right now. Bills, Broncos, Texans, then Colts. and St- Like, the Steelers are terrific. The Steelers are bad. The Colts are starting Gardner Minshew, and the Browns are starting Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is going to be in the playoffs, guys. Like, unless they collapse here. I'm with you. Those wild co- I th- I think we'll see a shift in these last four games. I, I don't know the Browns schedule, but... I mean, I think Joe Flacco has to come back down to reality. The, there's no way, shape, or form, the Colts or the Steelers with their quarterback situation can freaking make the playoffs. Like, And Josh Allen is at home. I know the Chargers got thrown a wrench with Justin Herbert's injury, but, I mean, how can Gardner Minshew lead the Colts to the playoffs? If Gardner Minshew and Joe Flacco are in the playoffs, the problem is all these AFC teams are so bad, like the Browns, so the Browns play the Bears at home at Texans, Jets at Bengals. Like they could go three and one. In now the look, playoffs. look at these quarter. Like they're playing Justin Fields. The Bears are playing better, but then you got C.J. Stroud, and then the Texans. But then you play uh, Zach Wilson, and then the uh, backup for Browning. Browning, yeah, Jake Browning from Washington. It's uh, it's not great. So that's why I just need Denver. To make the playoffs because I feel like there's a legitimate shot they could go on a run. Now, the top teams in the AFC are good, Ravens, Dolphins, Chiefs, but the Jags have even slipped back, so I don't know. Who do the Broncos finish up with? They got the Lions this week. If they can find a way to win that, then they have the Chargers, Chargers again, the Patriots, and the Raiders. So if they can get this week, Jaquan McMillan could be in the playoffs. Dude. Macmillan. Jaquan McMillan. All right, we are out of town, out of time. We are still in town. We may be out of town soon enough. But, Bobby, appreciate the time today, man. Good stuff, as always. Yep, always fun. Appreciate the interactions from everyone on YouTube. 
We'll be back tomorrow at 12 noon with uh, Team Boneyard Talk and more basketball preview as well. This has been Hoist the Colors. Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere.